Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Matt Bacon, here with my beautiful co-host, Keith of Ghost Cult Mag, and our wonderful guest, my old friend, erstwhile colleague, Andrew Rapinov. Hello, hello, everyone. So, before we get into this, um, well, yeah, okay, so let's just kick off with this. So, Andrew, for those who don't know who you are, how do you describe what you do and your whole content universe? Yeah, it really depends on who I talk to. Lately, I've been referring to my ultra running uh, hobby as, as a way to describe what I do more than uh, the music business stuff. But no, seriously, I, um, yeah, it's a good one. So I run a music marketing agency called Dotted Music, and I do a bunch of educational things for musicians. Um, so yeah, this is what I do. I help musicians, music brands grow online. And I've been doing a bunch of stuff over the past 15 years, being a host of a radio pirate station and uh, an editor-in-chief at Ultimate Guitar and uh, running, you know, nights, drum and bass, night events and things like that. So there's a lot to, um, there's a lot to kind of unpack there. Um, before we get into it, I want to talk about how Andrew and I met, which is kind of funny. Um, how do you, how do you remember it, Andrew? Um, uh, it's, it was, uh, so was it, it was in Brooklyn, I believe. And no, uh, but yeah, but the project we met on before we met in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's it, well, I mean, I, I'm not sure if, uh, how, how much we, we want to talk about that on a podcast, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a project we both worked on and, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it 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 was it was it was a weird one, so I I don't have much to comment uh, because not too much happened with um, that music act, uh, I believe, unfortunately. But yeah, that's I don't I don't think we talked about it that much when we met him. Yeah, well, I want mean, well, no, what was funny about it, and and all I found amusing about it is just that we did this thing, worked on this project, and it kind of became clear about halfway through that the band wasn't interested in promoting themselves, but it was just the like tax write-off for some rich guy. <laughs> um, so I always thought that was like a funny part of my relationship with Andrew. Um, that being said, so music, how, so what's your origin story here? Like you, you started this music marketing agency, but how did it form? Like, how did you get involved in music in the first place? Well, uh, it, it, I guess it started with playing accordion uh, at school, which I haven't been doing since 14 years old, which probably is a bummer. This is where my love for bass music came from, from Bach and uh, proper, you know, classical music. Anyway, so I was, uh, as you know, uh, probably a common story as a, uh, someone who couldn't become a musician, just went to work in the music industry. Um, so I actually I was DJing back in the days and uh, I was really into that. But uh, I'm just uh, fortunate enough to start working at uh, Ultimate Guitar at 18 years old. And, uh, you know, it's oh, wow. okay. the biggest uh, guitar platform in the world, essentially. So it, it definitely... Uh, helped me with everything from my, you know, professional like English skills. I'm Russian, by the way. I live in Poland, but um, 
the company's US based and I've got remote team in different parts of the world. So before it was a hip thing to do remote work and a company with a distributed team. I was doing it since 2012. Um, it's not a big team, but still really cool to have, uh, you know, team members in different parts of the world and just doing it all online, different time zones. Um, yeah, so I was just combining different things related to music. I've been passionate about music. I, I never played guitar. I want to be upfront with you, and maybe it will disappoint some of you folks, but, but yeah, even for I spent seven years at Ultimate Guitar, I never really picked the instrument. But I did do some cool things with a bunch of, you know, uh, metal rock bands uh, while there. It was really, really cool. Um, so, yeah. What kind of things did you get to do? Um, well, e well, first of all, it was quite fun to coordinate interviews with some of the biggest metal acts out there. Sure. Um, and we did some things with uh, folks like Slash. We did some partnership with, uh, with him actually for a small, uh, like a mobile game and website and things like that. Um, I remember. And uh, I was involved in the uh, creation of the first version of the mobile app. Uh, ultimate guitar taps um so yeah lots of uh, fun stuff lots of experience thanks to ultimate guitar i uh, attended medium in 2009 for the first time this yeah. is when i decided that i really want to dive deeper into the topic of music marketing business and i started a blog so data music started as a music blog where i was writing about different topics related to the you know different industry topics i was learning through um, kind of writing about it teaching others because I started uh, actually doing some um, educational work, running classes for local musicians, then online. Then I started uh, with my team, of course. Uh, we did uh, an online membership uh, community called Wispin. It was quite a big thing, but we um, closed it last year. I'm kind of shifting focus to other educational projects, but we had a membership platform for musicians where they could you know, learn from video lessons and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't think all that much about how it looked like 10 years ago, but there has been a lot of interesting things happening. Lots of stuff with live music scene, but I'm so glad I don't have to do anything with that anymore. It's, <laughs> it's a tough business. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay, so there, there's, um, there's a lot to sort of uh, unpack there. Um, I so I, I, I'm not sure if you want to unpack all of it, folks. Sure. Well, okay, so, okay, so here's, the, here's the question I have. How did you get... So one of the things that really struck me when we kind of reconnected was how big your Twitter following had grown. What made that happen? Well, that's, that was one of the experiments of the tools that... Uh, uh, no longer working. So uh, I, I was quite active on Twitter with, uh, with you know, um, essentially with a follow on <laughs> scheme, but uh, in a, in a very methodology, um, um, uh, I, I had a, a very specific approach to that. So I did try to participate in that process as much as possible. It's no longer um, possible with pretty much any network out there to do that, including Instagram, which is great because it forces us as music marketers and all kind of online marketers and musicians to look into 
other ways to grow the following because it was a really kind of simple way to do that. Uh, I want to get to become more active on Twitter again because my engagement kind of um, drop when I start tweeting that much. Um, but yeah, it's basically what I accumulated over the years. Um, and uh, I used to be very active on Twitter, not that much right now. So um, I'm just trying to grow the the podcast, uh, Instagram beats, email list, always. And these are kind of the key um, platforms for me right now. But yeah, I want to get back into Twitter more. Okay, so there, yeah, okay, because there's a lot there. Because you also have your own podcast. Uh, I do for sure. So this is what uh, what I'm trying to um, put more energy into. This is a, one of my goals for 2000, uh, 2020. So I'm releasing it weekly now. Uh, last year it was more like you know be weekly once a month. Um, so yeah, it's a great way, as you know well, uh, to connect with uh, other interesting people in the industry so yeah i really like um running a podcast myself it's called music of talks as a kind of blunt pitch <laughs> so absolutely um keith i know you had a question yeah quite a bunch so andrew man uh fantastic job and i think the first thing i wanted to ask you you mentioned you don't necessarily want to unpack everything because it may not be uh you know necessarily all able to fit on this podcast, but how do you compartmentalize the different parts of your brand? Because obviously you have sort of coaching and working with artists, you work with brands, you have the podcast. So how do you sort of split up your day or your week to cover all these things? It, it, yeah, it's a good one. And, uh, and this is something that I ask myself regularly and I try to revisit it regularly. This is really important because uh, there are just too many things happening and it's absolutely unsustainable to try to be on top of everything and every single um, communication or channel you would like to be on. It's just like these days, maybe I'm getting older or it's just the, the whole world is going crazy but i think it's absolutely unhealthy to be involved in way too many things at the same time so i try to be strategic about that uh, and lately it's been the agency growing the agency the team the clients the different types of uh, uh musicians and music brands we work with and uh, at the same time i really want to continue developing my brand because it's important for the company and uh, i just really enjoy doing that kind of stuff so i've been speaking at music conferences uh uh, you know, covering uh, a range of topics from social media to subscription platforms for record labels to growth hacking applied to the music industry, things like interesting topics that we try to implement for the clients, but I, I also really like just talking about. Um, so yeah, lately, I, I really want to, to, to grow the podcast uh, this year. I think it's a great medium. It's a great, great times for us, right? Because uh, podcasts were not uh, such a hot, topic some years ago uh everyone is uh, going crazy about podcasts which is good more people listen to audiobooks podcasts so i think we are in the right space we i mean you guys with uh, your neat show and uh yeah we there are not too many music industry podcasts like a, a dozen two something like that i think absolutely and i and i do think that's kind of a why do you think there is that gap why do you think there aren't that many music industry podcasts uh, when I started, there were like, uh, I think a couple dozen, dozen 
music uh, other music industry blogs kind of that I knew and they connected with most of them and uh, most of them kind of died out of the years there is a bunch of new ones which I don't know all for sure I don't keep a closed kind of eye on that but it's always it's always fascinated me that this space has never been filled all that much and I'm talking about like the whole world I'm not, I'm not just talking about uh, the US. This is still the main market for me, even for I'm not American or based in the United States, uh, because there are you know there are people doing it from Australia and the UK and so on. But you can you know know them even almost like personally, and it's not that difficult. So one of the reasons for sure is um, is is the that you cannot make way too much money working in that space from my experience i tried uh, doing um selling products educational projects like the the uh, not the courses but these uh, subscription thing i mentioned to you we've been for several years and uh, it was fairly successful but uh, not you know crazy successful and uh, i don't think i personally enjoy selling info products to musicians all that much. I don't have anything against the people who do and they do a great job selling courses to musicians about particular topics, for example, but I just, it's, it's, I, I discovered over the years. It's actually, it's one of the insights from last year. I think for me, I just really like, I realized that I don't exactly enjoy that model. Um, I think it happened to a few people I know who are no longer active in this space. So maybe there is something to it. I'm just, um, I, I'm just assuming, I don't know for sure. So it's difficult to make money and it's kind of ethically kind of odd. Um, I don't have any issues charging musicians for the services we provide them with or for, you know, I, I, I do have some offerings still like my Patreon page, for example, which I hope to grow, but it's kind of tough. Um, whereas, you know, for any creator on Patreon, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's 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 an interesting one. Even for the education in the music space, is needed. We need artists to know more about how to run their brands, uh, bands as brands. And uh, it's so easy to start making music. And there is a real educational gap. There are so many producers, bands out there who don't know anything at all. It's, it's maybe even worse than 10 years ago. Uh, sometimes it's, it feels like that. Even for there was, you know, lots of books and podcasts and, and so on. So don't want to generalize as well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have, uh, you, you have an answer to, to that one because I, would, I wouldn't mind figuring it out myself. I think that's, I think that's brilliant actually what you just said, Andrew. The educational gap is deep. And it's so easy to get started making any kind of music, rock, metal, hip hop, dance music. You know, uh, there's so many entry, entry, the entrance is low. The barrier to start is low and the gap of knowledge is very wide. So I think that's a brilliant point. Yeah. What do you feel is the primary thing artists don't know or that they should be, should be learning about? Well, I guess I, I'm kind of biased because it's, it's like it's, it depends on yeah, who you ask and you ask me. And uh, one of the things I see uh, artists don't get kind of properly is uh, how to communicate their brand online for social media in particular. And there is just, uh, it's, um, 
So how exactly to position yourself and tell your story? And oftentimes, the most uh, straightforward, basic, authentic way of just uh, understanding uh, the core concepts of how a particular social media platform works, um, just to not look way too weird. A bit weird is fine, but not doing something completely out of place. Um, and just, you know, just doing something authentic and real and not trying way too hard or not trying to look like you are an established artist already because we do a lot of uh, educational work ourselves i think we even with our clients trying to 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 teach um artists musicians um songwriters uh, producers to to do that and it, it of course it applies to every brand out there but an e-commerce brand a store uh, has a, a very different uh, um, uh, goal and uh, way to handle social media and their web properties musicians are more like influencers and they they need to look into how successful uh, just you know influences on instagram or tiktok or whatnot uh, do it and and just learning to to communicate to to share an interesting story. It's yeah, it, it's I guess storytelling. It's not you see, it's interesting because it's not much about the music industry, but I think that this is what artists really need to figure out in order to grow their uh, fan base, and this is what we help with the most. Of course, there are you know other monetization channels getting better at sync licensing and there comes your story or your networking skills as well i think it's related so um yeah it's not as much about some technology even or even understanding how the you know how publishing works even for it's crucial absolutely like you really have to understand them before you go out and complain about low spotify payouts or anything but um yeah i guess um understanding how to tell your story is, is one of the key things musicians need to learn. So you start with a new artist, right? Yeah. What does that look like? Like from the moment someone hires you day one, what do what are you doing? Well, we, we, you know, it's, it's, it's not all that exciting at the beginning because we need to collect uh, a bunch of uh, assets is it's oh my gosh the marketing lingo is so boring when you just use yeah. it. We we try to even when we <laughs> we work with artists we we you know tr uh, try to get them not to use words like fans when they uh, you know communicate online because this is an internal kind of word that we use but you don't want to talk to people who follow you online like fans. So yeah, be careful with words like content and all this kind of stuff. But we can use it with you guys and with, uh, I guess, the listeners on the same page here. So we want to collect all the information uh, we may need. It depends on the, on the campaign. If we do social media management or just help with uh, growth and ad campaigns and branding release strategy. So uh, we also send a questionnaire we've got, which we kind of developed and we've been tweaking over the years. So we interview the artists we started working with to understand the background of the story, the interest, the non-musical interest. It's really important to figure out what the artist or the band stands for, what their um, interests and hobbies and, you know, political views, anything 
you know, unrelated but potentially relevant um, is how, how, it, how it all looks like. And uh, we will use that to craft a bio for, uh, for the act as well. So we just started with collecting the assets, the answers to the questionnaire, look, passwords from social media profiles. We get access to all the necessary profiles, all this boring stuff. And then we start looking into uh, what the artist has online already, help do an audit, help optimize it all. Uh, we can do a full branding package as well from a logo type to website. Uh, we do website on Squarespace, really, you know, easy to maintain and uh, work with platform. Um, in the past, we were using WordPress quite a bit, but these days it's um, Squarespace. We use Tilda for our websites as well. Really cool um, CMS from Russia. It's available in English as well, uh, T-I-L-D-A. I'm not affiliated with them. It's just a really cool alternative to Squarespace. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so we can, you know, do social media uh, headers, uh, graphics, and things like that. So the first month is usually this kind of setup and making sure that uh, everything from social media handles, uh, you know, is optimized, consistent, uh, visually, uh, how the bio is communicated on every platform. So just making sure that there is a good foundation for it all. And then, you know, that the, uh, we, we help tweak the content strategy or if we handle it, we start creating the content, posting. We do lots of animations for um, around releases, especially for, uh, for the feeds, for stories, things like that. These days, there are so many uh, different um, files you need to create around a single release. There are different formats, like there is a just a bunch of formats for a single announcement because Absolutely. of the different, you know, requirements. This is cool, but it requires, it's, I think, um, many act, many people overall underestimate how much work goes into that from crafting a copy for like a, just a description for a social media post, making sure that it's formatted properly for each platform, uh, making sure that uh, there are the right uh, file formats and the right resolution and, and uh, aspect ratios and things like that and durations for um, every channel. It's, uh, it is important because it, it makes a difference uh, in the end. And of course, it's not just the content we create, it's mostly about helping artists create the real authentic content that will uh, convert. When we do Instagram story ads, we've had a lot of success with it lately. And uh, the, just the, you know, an artist playing and uh, doing a sort of uh, unplugged session with an acoustic guitar and singing on camera for 14 seconds, just outperforms any professional content you can create so there is a lot of um, really good stuff coming from real content just coming from the artist but most of the times so we really need to help them create this stuff as well because it's it doesn't come naturally to every artist there are some that who figure it out themselves but we do lots of work with that there is there, there is quite a few things but yeah i i guess this is where how the first month looks like it's usually quite intense actually that's really really cool there's a lot yeah and, and i like that intensity um keith what do you think uh i mean that's definitely you know you got to have this holistic fishbowl approach i know i feel like artists get very myopic right they only see pat they don't see past their own 
immediate goals and it's up to music marketers and sort of guides like yourself and Matt and to a lesser extent myself to help sort of broaden that scope and get them over the finish line, whatever that is. Yeah. So, so we talk about, okay, so, so you mentioned earlier something very interesting that the 14 second video of the singer songwriter with their guitar performs better than any sort of professional content, right? Why is that? Yeah, so I, I want to mention that you want to test and experiment a lot because uh, we just had this uh, amazing, we, we do work with an amazing uh, singers and writer from California who uh, who's great on camera and uh, he sent us a bunch of clips. We showed some examples and picked some of the past um, recordings of his and just showed what could work well. And he sent free video clips and they, they, these ones were actually shot on a professional camera, but they look quite natural and, you know, not, uh, not much of, you know, post-production, things like that. And they, they're very similar, but one of them uh, really outperforms the rest of the videos, even if for you look at the free and they look almost identical. It's just different parts of the song, a bit dif a kind of different angle. It, it makes a difference. So sometimes it's even for us, it's impossible to answer that question because uh, a particular creative, as we call it, will perform differently with different targeting, different audiences and so on. But overall, it just, it's, it really works well for Instagram. This is what people expect to see, especially from people who they already follow. Uh, just something that looks like a casual story with a cool song will do better than uh, something that looks like an ad in this story format. So this is why we like the story ads. It's just, it can blend into the experience of uh, just watching the stories organically. Um, so you just need to understand the medium. You need to understand how people are using this particular channel. And Instagram stories is like a channel within the channel, like it's a social media platform of its own because some people don't do much with, with their feeds but just, you know, spend all their time in Instagram inside just watching stories. Um, and yeah, so, and you can, of course, add a call to action, a link, uh, a swipe up link is there in the ad. You don't need 10,000 followers to add the link like you do, you know, with a regular story. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it just some, something, something that looks real. I've been overusing these words on, uh, in this conversation, but I, you, you, you hear me, I think. Um, so something, something that looks like just like a story from someone you've already been following just will do really well. Well, it's about emulating native content. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So, okay, so obviously, um, okay, so, so, so one thing, and so I'm kind of curious about this with you because so you're talking about running story ads and how those are valuable, right? How are you targeting these ads? Well, it's a question to my, <laughs> to one of my ad managers because ah, it's, okay. it's no, 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 it's, uh, I will share what I know. I'm not a big fan of messing with uh, the ad manager. I do bits of that, but I, I really prefer uh, dedicated team members handling that 
mm-hmm. one and so we've got three social media managers doing it on different channels so actually we've got right now we've got this kind of uh, setup where one person is just focusing on instagram one on facebook and one on youtube uh and uh we've um with targeting, actually, to anyone you know listening to us right now and just uh, being afraid to start doing something with ads, I would highly recommend uh, just setting up a simple one and going with a broad targeting because Facebook is really good, in fact, at delivering your ad to the people who will respond to it. So it's in their interest to help you get the clicks or whatever you are interested in. So broad targeting can be really effective. The algorithms are great. So if you feed it with a bit of money, it doesn't have to be a huge budget and uh, let it run for some time and give a few creatives ad copy to um, to let it figure out what, what works it can do really well. With Instagram, we don't do that. We, uh, so my guy goes really deep. He actually has to tweak the ads every like two, three days. Sometimes there is a, an effective combo of a creative and the targeting that will run for a week, but then it just stops performing uh, that well and he needs to start over again and uh, do something something new. So uh, we actually go really deep into adjusting it with like the age, uh, group, very specific demographics, very specific interests. And oftentimes it's not very obvious. So before you start an ad, you may think that fans of a similar act will, uh, you know, resonate with uh, with this song, with these ads, but practically it may be something, those non-musical interests, for example, are performing uh, the music related targeting. So it's, it's, it requires quite some tweaking. So this is this gets quite complicated and time consuming, but for artists, I do recommend just trying to do something uh, simple that's not a boost of a Facebook post, but actually an ad that you create in the ad manager and uh, letting Facebook do its job because actually it's quite good these days. That's interesting and, and I appreciate the depth of your response. Um, so, so you earlier, so, okay. So earlier you mentioned that you've been speaking at conferences. How did that start? What does that look like for you? Well, most of the times I, um, I've been reaching out to some, but it's, it's kind of interesting because here in, there is a bunch of showcases in Europe and I just went to once, one once and uh, there was an organizer of another conference i got invited so it's good like you get into it and you are being invited to a bunch of other conferences i haven't been doing it all that much in the past year um i did host uh uh, actually did something for music startups at a really cool um conference uh, like a music tech conference in belgium called uh, bolifonia but um Oftentimes you played, I, I, not you guys, because it really depends. I don't know how it works for others. Definitely if you are not, you know, an A-list kind of music marketer and well, I don't even know what it means, but if you are properly recognized uh, by um, others and we've got, I don't know, five, 10 people in the US, I guess, uh, who are being invited to conferences all the time like if you are not one of them you probably will want to reach out to someone and propose 
uh, a, a session, a panel, a workshop, and oftentimes um, conferences have uh, forms for that. But yeah, I, I, I've, I've spoken at a bunch and uh, it was really an interesting experience. This is the only way I truly enjoy attending a conference <laughs> when you're not just a delegate but a speaker. It gives you access to all the other speakers and uh, you know, even if you are not paid for a particular gig, because I wouldn't say that it's a moneymaker in the music industry, these folks organizing music events are amazing and they don't uh, a ton of money there. It gives you so many opportunities, really. So, 100%. I, yeah, yeah. 100%. I, I feel exactly the same way is it's not always, it's a, yeah, sometimes, you know, it doesn't pay well, but like you walk away with new clients or whatever. So yeah, it, it can bring business and, uh, and the connections that you make in person are invaluable. And the thing about the music industry is that people stay in the music industry for the most part. So, so a connection you make today um, may not be relevant to you at all, but then in five, seven, 10 years, most probably that person is still there. You are still here doing something with music and now it's relevant so it's quite cool it's it's a relatively small space when you start going to conferences you see the same faces uh oftentimes so yeah i think it's 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 really useful um very well said keith and i think you wanted to ask something yeah uh, as we wind this down i just wanted to make sure that we give andrew an opportunity to plug himself something we don't do probably often enough on the pod is uh, and obviously we'll link everything in the description but what is the best way for someone to connect with you that wants to maybe get in touch with you and work with you uh yeah thanks thanks for asking uh there is a actually personal website andreapanov.com but to anyone interested in in, in, in our services, there is uh, agency.music.com. I'm also linking to it from my personal website. And uh, yeah, musicgrowthtalks.com is uh, the website for my podcast. Uh, so if, uh, you know, I assume that some of the people listening to us right now may be into podcasts. So it would be really cool to get some of, uh, uh, of, of you folks on, you know, to, to listen to um, my show as well, if you find it interesting. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. Thank you once again, because oh. I, I understand if it's some... Do, do you consider, like, is, is there any kind of competition we should be thinking about? Never. I, no, fuck that. Yeah. I, 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 I did just came to my mind, like, for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time we've been in touch, it's like, hmm, maybe you you think that, you know, I'm promoting something that would compete with with you folks <laughs> no you gotta you gotta believe in abundance you know like and yeah. also like oh, yeah, you're having yeah, me yeah. on your podcast tomorrow <laughs> yeah, exactly and a hundred percent i don't i don't think i've never thought in 15 years doing these uh and eight or nine years of the agency i've never thought that we really had a competitor i never think of anyone as a competitor it's just it's also too small of a space there are just so few players i think compared to other industries so it's so it's really cool we need to to um to stay connected with one another. Yeah. And the way I always view it is it's like, it's fucking rock and roll. Like we're not really, you know, like we could probably do other things, but putting out death metal records is so much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This yep. has been Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening. Thank you, Andrew Rapinov, for coming on the show. Thank you guys for having me. Are we done yet? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is terrible And the high